Welcome to the section of our podcast we call In Conversation With, where we sit down with sports industry experts, women in sports and thought leaders and pioneers within the industry to discuss working data-driven, increasing visibility for women in sports and leveraging tools such as the Sports Customer Data Platform, a CDP, to propel your sports organisation to the next level. Our guest today is... Ariana, we are so excited to have you on the podcast. But before we start, how about a little icebreaker? What's your favorite quote or expression or motto? And why is it your favorite? Uh, one that I think I've lived a lot of my career by is it doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to be effective. Uh, and I think that works for a lot of things. It definitely works when I was playing football and as a goalkeeper in some countries, they want it to be very pretty and you have to do the exact technical movement that the coaches are after and other coaches are just save the ball. It doesn't have to be pretty. It can be just throwing yourself at it, saving it with your fingertip or the tip of your shoe rather than fully palming it, but I'm getting too technical on football style. <laughs> um, and so I think that also works in the business side of, of some of the stuff I do now of, I just need to move forward and continue propelling the game forward. It doesn't have to be perfect or beautiful or, or, high quality i mean i'd like to think we're high quality but um it doesn't have to be extremely thought and and just push so far just just start moving things in the right direction and that's what's important so i would say that's the quote that i i usually live by and try to continue to work by yeah that sounds so awesome and i think it's very super relevant for mainly women as well out there like you know it doesn't have to be super pretty uh, and like there are studies that show that women actually suffer from imposter syndrome more more than men and that we overthink things and we want to do this in a perfect way we want to do it that way blah 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 and exactly so, yeah. and if it's not perfect then we don't post it or we don't let it out or you know we over critique ourselves so much whereas just just do it just just yeah. put it out there just get it out there just do the work and, and your work will speak for itself it doesn't have to be completely perfect yeah yeah and that that really parallels what we say here data talks fail fast it's like just keep doing it and if if you're failing just keep failing fast and just keep uh iterating and just keep getting better because the more you do it the better it's going to become instead of just kind of waiting there and procrastinating and trying to make it perfect and make it as pretty as possible you know absolutely from being a professional football player and goalkeeper for the likes of Kungsbacher DFF and Paris Saint-Germain to being a community manager, a co-founder, to graduating from the Football Business Academy in Switzerland and transitioning to sponsoring and women's business development side of things at Paris Saint-Germain and now being a director of women's football at Next Sports, it's fair to say that you have done a fair bit within the sports industry. What about the sports industry has made you want to commit to it and give so much of yourself? I think just being an athlete, once you're an athlete, you're you're in the sports industry. I don't think people necessarily always look at athletes the way they should as not just commodities in the sport that they're playing, but actually a commodity that can add value on the business side, um, on multiple aspects within the game. And, and I guess the business side could be broken down to different aspects, but you have athletes that have studied different things. You have studied that experience different things. And I think they should be used more, maybe used, used isn't always the best word or a word that we like, but you should talk to your athletes and, and ask how they want to be represented, how they think fans 
uh, look at them. What different social and digital aspects should this company be using? Because the fans are not just athletes, but they're fans of the sport. They're fans of other sport. They're fans of other players on the team or within the organization. And they have a, a finger on the pulse of what's happening also in the community. And I think that they're a huge asset that are overlooked a lot of the time. I'm digressing. I apologize. But so I would say that I've always been working in sport. I just haven't always been in the boardroom of sport, but I've always been working in it. And so it was a natural progression for me to continue to want to develop the game that I've given so much of my life to just mm -hmm. hanging up my boots and, and putting on a suit just slightly different. But outside of uh, sports, though, is there an Ariana Cristione or are you just completely sold to the game and you just you just live for sports now? I mean, I would say that sport has always been a major part of my life and and how I've lived my life. Uh, when I go on vacation, I have to work out because it's always been a part of my job and I have to make sure that I'm fit. And I think that's crossed over even now. I mean, I've only been out of the professional game for nine months now. I would have to calculate, but something like that. And I still work out every day, sometimes twice a day. I want to keep that athletic mentality. I work out differently. I wish I could be outside more as football let me get a lot of sunshine that I think I'm missing vitamin D. But I think that's really important to keep that aspect of my life and, and intertwine the two things. I mean, it sounds like, you know, your journey so far has been extremely epic and uh, you have most likely so many uh, amazing experiences that you uh, cherish to this day. But uh, what would you say when looking back uh, would be the biggest highlight in your career in sports so far, if you had to pick one? I honestly, I don't think I can pick one. I think it's impossible because I think I can go back to the little girl who was so excited to make a select team. And at that moment in my life, that was literally the biggest thing. And had not that happened, then none of these other dominoes would have fallen. My life wouldn't be where I am today. So you'd have to say that that had to be pretty monumental to uh, the first cap with the national team playing for Italy. Um, and I know I'm going to miss stuff even too. My career has, I like the word you used, epic. The journey has been epic. Um, to, to winning the, the league last year with Paris Saint-Germain. We were the first women's team to ever do it. We've literally gone down in history and nobody can ever rewrite that history. We were the first team. Um, and so many, so many small things in between. I don't always think it's always those really huge moments that are the ones that stick with you. There's some of the ones of getting knocked down and, and literally a teammate putting out their hand and helping you up and, and that changing everything about the day or uh, working with a certain athlete or... Um, saving a certain goal just in practice and, and how proud of you yourself. So I honestly don't have one one moment. I think it's all just a great epic moment put together. I'm thinking, you know, there's like this expression that life is a collection of moments. And you described this so, so well, because I guess that's the same thing with progress and achievement overall, that it's like you said, maybe it's just your teammate helping you out in that little moment that makes a huge difference. So that's amazing. Um, but then what would you say if we take the opposite side, looking at your career so far, would you be able to pinpoint a challenge that you think has been the greatest challenge for you? I think at different moments of your life, you, you, you spoke it perfectly. At different moments of your life, things seem bigger or smaller at that moment. And looking back, you some moments are like, wow, that was a lot bigger than I realized at the time. And, and I really overcame something amazing. Or that seemed like the end of the world and it was so such a small insignificant thing so 
those very, I mean, there's goals that I was scored on that at the moment thought like the end of the world, because it meant we lost the championship or we were out of something, or I was just really upset to get scored on. So probably every goal I've ever been scored on that I thought was my fault. I would love to go back and change. Obviously I, I had a huge event losing the national championship and, and making a, a huge error in a major game on national television. That would be one. And uh, I had a huge injury that also set me out for 18 months, but even these things, I would never go back and change because I would not be where I am today had I not lived through them and learned how to overcome them. So it depends who looks at them. I'm sure they're terrible in some ways, but just look at it. It helped me with this epic journey. I'm going to continue with this phrase. I really like it. <laughs> yeah. It's a great phrase. Yeah. And it made you wiser as well. So just like you said, uh, and just, yeah, uh, fail fast, like Lorraine said as well. You learn from doing so. It's I mean, I think it's not, even, it's not even just that, though, and it's not even just those moments of what I learned, but it's the people that I was able to to come across. Um, I actually, my partner I met because of my injury, and had I not ever gotten injured, we would have never, there's no way we would have ever crossed paths, I'm sure of it. And so I'm very happy for us to be together in the life that we've built. And had I never been injured, we would have never met. So I can never go back and, and take away that injury, even for personal aspects or as Lorraine, like the Ariana that's off the field or something like that. Uh, sport has affected all aspects of my life. And, and there's things that we forget that happen um, that aren't directly related to the sport or to that terrible event, but that change everything about our lives. So there's nothing that I would change or that I look at that's the worst thing ever. But if we were to zoom out a little bit and kind of look at the sports industry as a, as a whole, what has been one change over the years that you that has made you really optimistic about the future of women in sports? One change? I think there's been so many recent changes, and especially in the last couple of years or or even just since the 2019 Women's World Cup. And, and then you can go back to the 2015 Women's World Cup that had huge influences. Um, I think one thing that I really like seeing right now that I think is going to make a huge difference in the game is uh, FIFA and UEFA unbundling the rights to the women's game so that we can actually see the numbers and prove the financial investment that sponsors want to have in the game. I think this is going to be vital in pushing the game forward. We've had numbers in the past that have been educated guesses or assumptions because the money has never been actually allocated just for the women's side. And so I, I do think this is going to make a huge difference. Um, I think the expansion of leagues and men's clubs who have decided to invest in women now um, within the football money league the top 20 teams every one of them has a football team and these are teams that are, are playing with a lot of money and i don't think they would create a women's team if they didn't see value from that investment so i think that's big i think there's so many you guys really like this individual picking out thing i'm, I'm not one to like can't find one thing good one thing bad one thing innovative there's just so much but I guess maybe that's that's a great thing then that uh, that there's just so much that you can't even like pick out one single thing because if, if there was only one thing that all of us could talk about then that would be a major sign that maybe change is not happening fast enough. So it's really great that you have all these like different uh, sort of amazing moments and challenges and and the changes that you've seen that you're really really um, excited about. I mean, I think another great thing that we have to touch upon because it's so current at the moment is the fact that Barcelona sold out 91,000 seats at the stadium. This is the record for all football thus far in Europe for the season. 
not even a men's team has sold it out. And I don't think anybody's going to be able to come close considering that men's champions league will be at Stade de France, which is a smaller stadium. So it won't even be physically possible. So it's a really cool number. And now they've already announced that they've sold out for their match against Wolfsburg, which means that they might be able to beat that number. I'm not sure the exact, the, those smaller numbers in the hundreds of how many more people can have tickets, but this is just amazing for women's football and, and looking forward to women's champions league um, going to play at Allianz. Well, I'm not sure we're supposed to say Allianz stadium, but that's fine. In Turin, uh, for Women's Champions League, if they could sell out that final, it would be the first final ever sold out. And these are huge things in the women's game when people say nobody cares or nobody pays attention. People bought tickets for all of these games. So that's extremely impressive. I'm having a moment right now. So if it seems like I have nothing to say to, to what you say, it's just because I'm having an amen moment. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But maybe let's look at the contrary. You know, we know that great things are happening and we're very excited about all these great things that are happening. But what is one or a few things that you have noticed that you would have loved to have already changed within the women's uh, sports industry and that you, you're sort of looking at and thinking, hmm, I thought by this time we wouldn't have this issue. I don't think I have an answer for that one, just because one part of me would love to say, I wish this all would have happened a decade ago so that I would possibly be able to be on the field for these things that are actually happening. But there's another part of me that's the same idea. Had I not lived through all of the, the difficulties that I had within the women's game from not being paid on time to playing on horrible fields to having to sit in an airport for 12 hours because the team didn't pay for the cheaper ticket that was nonstop or all of these things, I don't think I'd be able to work in the game and have as much passion to help develop it and continue it forward so that other young girls and women now don't have those same experiences that we have 91,000 seats sold, that we have sold out, that we have sponsors, that we have women making good money to play the game. Um, I think maybe one thing by now I would like to see uh, professionalization of the game and to stop talking about salaries. We're not there yet. We don't have enough commercial investment to make the same salary as our male counterpart. Now, that's not to say we don't deserve the same respect. That's not to say the clubs don't need to invest into the game from commercial aspect, from digital, uh, from a strategy, a strategy being the most important, in my opinion. But I, I think by now I'd wish that we stop talking about trying this equal pay. It's a nice thought, but it's not realistic. It's, it's mm -hmm. just not. If I, if I owned a football team today, a really strong team, I, I wouldn't come out and pay my men and women the same if, if the product on the field. I would try to advance the women's game as much as possible so those salaries go up. But I'd like to see us starting to focus on a business aspect to develop, develop a sustainable game and not follow in the men's footsteps of having these astronomical salaries on one end and then players struggling to survive on the other end. Can I tell you something, actually? We had uh, we were having a conversation with another phenomenal woman in sports, and she, she said something similar along the lines of what you're saying. And I think that maybe that's not something that you can just pick up an article and read about these opinions of, like, look, there's certain practical things that we need to put in place before we can get to that nice big goal that we all agree that it would be it would be great if we could all you know get equal pay and we could all get what we deserve and all that, those kinds of things but there are practical steps that need to be taken in order to propel women's sports to that direction and Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
I would rather see some of those articles uh, giving more visibility to the stories of female players, to the stories of clubs that have had innovative marketing um, campaigns. Uh, I think these stories need to be told more than a continuous drone, equal pay, equal pay, yay, we got it, no, we didn't. This is this is not, in my opinion, going to develop the game or help any of us move forward. That's really brilliant to hear that other side because like like we we mentioned off off of the podcast it's the whole idea and the whole aim of this is to get all those different perspectives and different inputs versus just getting one sort of monolithic input that you if you if you google searched like equal pay in sports and read articles it'll probably all be the same article but just different authors and different publications you know so it's really really great to to hear that input from you yeah no absolutely and hearing your uh, ideas about this brings us to another question that is just in general about you know women in sports as a topic because um, like you were saying, it's not necessarily only about equal pay. It's not about, oh, you know, justice, et cetera. It's, it composes so many different things, right? So if you would think about women in sports, what do you think about just uh, the word women in sports? Where, because it's so broad, you know? Like, where would you uh, place yourself if you think about this whole topic? Very broad question, I know, so. Yeah, that's a, that's a really broad question. I feel like we could go in so many different directions. Where do I place myself in women's sports? I place myself, there's a massive bubble. I place myself right inside of it. Um, not at the epicenter by any means, but definitely close. I think women's sports were having this amazing revolutionary development across sports. It's not just women's football. And I think um, the tide is rising for everybody. I think the more voices that we can get around women's football will then rise, help the water rise for the other sports. I think the WNBA is doing huge stuff and getting massive investment. I think women's rugby around the world has had a huge uh, investment. Uh, I didn't really know that much about women's rugby, but now I do. You have the hundreds that is put men and women's cricket together and, and started to develop that. So I think that's a huge thing too. And now we have at the end of this month, the first ever standalone well, not standalone, but the first ever ticket. Um, oh my God, I can't think right now. Um, the headliners is a women's boxing match at Madison Square Garden for the first time in history will be played or bowed it out uh, at the end of this month. So that's amazing. Madison Square Garden has never headlined two women. And especially in a sport like boxing, people say women's football is is more masculine, but we can all admit that a lot of people might find boxing too and so two women are going to go to head to head and they're also bringing in huge prize money for both of them and a bigger spotlight on the sport of boxing so that's also amazing there's just so much happening across the board and and i hope that the small impact that myself and my company and my colleagues at next sports are doing is helping all of these sports across the board for women's football to get that visibility to get the sponsorship money um and to build the strategy that we can keep ourselves going without the help of outside government funding, male funding from the men's sports, from the men's side of the game and in different aspects. So I hope that answers the question. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the way I see it, like you're basically describing a positive ripple effect, right? A movement that it starts somewhere. 
And that's something that we uh, see as well with our Women in Sports Initiative. It's a movement, right? It has to start somewhere. And as long as we start and push progressively, the movement will spread. So uh, it sounds like you're on the right path and doing an amazing job. So that is an epic journey once again, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep this epic journey going. I plan on making my entire life an epic journey. Not really sure where or when or how it's going to go, but you're already out. doing it. You're already might doing it. more like the Iliad, but I don't know. <laughs> that is also awesome. Uh, and that brings me to another question that is um, uh, very, we think is very interesting for sports overall. Uh, and that is that, as we know, it's no secret that digitalization fueled by the pandemic has made it possible for fans and supporters to interact with different clubs, teams, etc., just sports organizations overall via different platforms beyond the stadium, right? Uh, so as a professional in the sports industry, what has fan engagement looked like over the years specifically with your supporters? OTT platforms are really where women's football live. We don't live on regular broadcast. Um, we've had to live in this kind of underground world because we weren't given the visibility on the major channels and on the major streaming um, outlets that was needed. And so OTT has really become synonymous with women's sports and especially women's football. Even now Champions League is, is broadcast on OTT format with DAZN and YouTube having a partnership with UEFA in order to broadcast the games and all the work they're doing has been extremely impressive and allowing the regular fans the diehard fans who've been there forever to know exactly where, when, and how to watch the game. But it's also giving an opportunity to people who might not have been huge fans of women's football. It's just easily accessible to them. As soon as you open YouTube on the day of a game, it pops up. So this is really pushing that dial forward, in my opinion. It also allows just the fans to, to get to know the players more. The player stories are, are what's so engaging about women's football and how we've been able to continue the growth in the game is telling those stories one, because fans like it, and two, because some fans don't know who all the players are because of a lack of vis visibility. They're not kind of in your face all the time on commercials in different aspects. And so uh, OTT and social media from a digital perspective gives girls and women more opportunity for people to know their story and to want to follow them as a person, not just as a player. And there's just huge opportunities on both, both of those aspects there's a lot to unpack there and uh, it kind of connects back to something that you said earlier where you were kind of talking about the practicalities of how do we get uh, women's football women's sports how do we propel it forward so that we can get to that point of equal pay if you will so I kind of want to explore that a little bit more and maybe talk a little bit more about that like the practical steps that should be women in sports or people that are involved in women's sports should be taking to actually make that impact and propel women's sports forward what do you think anything coming to your mind um, in that regard i mean absolutely it is literally what again myself and my colleagues are trying to do uh through next sports is we want to build strategy we want them to have a plan we want you to look at your club organization um even a sponsorship package that women's women's football, women's sport is still at an infancy that it's almost like a startup. And so you need to have a plan where you want it to go and how you're gonna get there. This plan will clearly be agile, just like sports, you never know what's gonna happen. The score can change 
can start raining or snowing and you have to pause the game for, for a minute, but having a strategy and being able to align yourself and, and everybody internally in your organization aligned on, on where you're trying to go is really important. And we really want to stress that, that what is your five-year plan, 10-year plan from a performance perspective, where you want to be in the league, how many championships, if you're just trying to move up a league, if you're just trying to stay in the league, you, you understand your own personal performance abilities. If you want to be winning, how do you go from moving into Syria off, for example, and then winning it to get into Champions League, to get the funding that Champions League is now distributing amongst women's football? Um, obviously, I'll use football because that's the sport I know best, but it's happening in crossover to other sports where more funding is coming in, depending on where you are in your championship, from sponsorship money to broadcasting money. Um, these are now becoming very important, just like in the men's game. If you play in the Premier League, you want to play Champions League because the amount of sponsorships and the amount of broadcasting money is super, super important, and that's trickling into the women's sports. And so having this strategy of how do you get there is extremely important. From our perspective, we've seen and we know that even top men's clubs do not actually have a strategy about where they're trying to go or what they're trying to do. They might know the end result. Okay, we want to be in the top five at the end of the season, or we want to not be in the red on our balance sheet, but they don't actually have a strategy of how do we not be in the red? How do we actually make sure we stay in that top five? What is the human resources that we need to put in certain situations? How much money can we buy players? Should we be investing in buying players or should we be investing in our academies and building the players ourselves? There's not a blueprint for any of this, for any club. It's really going to depend on the values and the finances and the ownership structure of that club. And so we are trying to put ourselves in the best possible place to help these clubs uh, and rights holders with these types of things through strategy. That's so amazing. And like strategy is something that we completely believe in, as you can imagine, being like a CDP provider in sports, trying to get sports organizations to start collecting their data, start analyzing that data and start using it to actually fuel your your decision making. And don't just don't just hope for the best and kind of hope that it happens and then you stumble upon it and it happens but rather be strategic rather be intentional rather have the goals and all those kinds of things so i yeah yeah that's pretty pretty epic advice uh, but so far we focused a lot on the the sort of organizations the the business side of things but what about the individual woman in sports like w- would you have any advice for that person especially like today like the more sort of more opportunities the sport the industry is getting better what what sort of advice would you give to a a woman in sports today i think i'd give the same advice today as i would have given a decade ago just keep doing it and um go at your dreams unapologetically and stubbornly and don't let people tell you you can or can't do something uh just keep going um, another advice that I would give, and again, I, I don't think it changes today with, with the progress that we've made, is that we need more women in the business of sport. And that just because you didn't make the national team or you didn't go as far in the game or, or you weren't an international player or professional player doesn't mean you can't work in sport and help drive sport forward, whether that's on the women's sport that you played or working in men's sport and giving a a broader view of of the women's perspective within those games also. And that women who are professional and international players have the opportunity to cross over into the business of the game. A lot of times, most professional athletes 
and especially women are told that the only thing that they can do is coach. I wish I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me if I was going to become a coach. I am not going to become a coach. I should not become a coach. I will not become a coach. I think a coach is a very specific calling that's designed for certain people that that are good coaches. And I am not one of them, nor should I be just because I played the game. And too often we get professional athletes that that want to make a difference in the game and they believe that's their only outlet and they're not really coaches. And then it doesn't work out and they fall out of the game because they don't know any other way to continue on this path. And so I just think that we need to show these avenues into sport and how athletes can move through these roles and continue to make a difference. That's so amazing because uh, representation at every single level is very important. And that's, that's really how you change any society, industry, whatever it may be. We just need people present. We need more women in across the board in, in all sports. And, um, just as we're about to round off this uh, amazing, amazing conversation, is there anything specific that you guys are working on that our listeners should check out and sort of get even more like greater insights on exactly what you just spoke about? Yeah, I mean, we we published a, a report this past January that we're really proud of called Enabling Women's Football to Disrupt the Industry. And it focuses on four main aspects, obviously strategy within the game, but how can that strategy then be divided up. And so we talk about the organizational structure within different sporting entities, increasing visibility through digital sponsorship and driving fans strategically. It's great that you want more fans to come to your games or follow you on social media, but how do you actually do that? And then once you have that strategy, how do you implement it? And so those are things that we're working on and through our report, which we're very proud of. We've we've hit on some of these topics and it's not just coming from us. We enjoy our knowledge on the game, but we also really want to democratize that. And so we spoke with other experts within the industry and brought them together and, and included their ideas into this report. And hopefully soon we'll be we'll be working, starting to work on another report. They sometimes take a while, but we really want to continue these reports within the women's game so that this information is diffused. All you have to do is, is go to nextsports.com and it's in the number three, XT Sports. Com and you can download this report for free. This is completely free information. Um, and then we hope you download it, share it, start just talking about the different aspects. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Is there things that can be done better? Is, is there something that people would like to see more that maybe we can investigate for them? Um, so yeah, we'd love for people to download our report and just discussing the game more. And uh, final question. In 50 years from now, where would you like to be? What would you have liked to uh, accomplish? 50 years, I might not still be around. Like, you guys know how old I am, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's a long way away. But um, so here's the thing. I never try to look that far ahead because as you guys said, it, it's an epic journey. And I joke, it's, it's become a little bit of an Iliad that like, you never know what's around the corner and where this life can take us. And, and you know, my opportunity to play with Paris Saint-Germain was because of, a, of an airplane. It was because I sat next to somebody on a plane and tomorrow I could sit next to somebody on a train or have a coffee or you never know. So I have no idea where I'm going to be in 50 years. I hope I'm still around. I hope women's sports is still developing. Um, I hope I'm still laughing and joking and uh, then I'll be really happy. There's nothing in specific that I, I want that I need to have, have accomplished. I think if I continue the way I'm doing it, I'm sure I'll be really stoked in 50 years, but um, God only knows what's going to happen by then. So just see what happens. Yes, absolutely. Well, Ariana, 
it has been epic interviewing you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for sharing with our listeners all these fantastic insights that you don't normally just get from a Google search. And this is why we do this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, ladies. Continue to keep talking to different women and, and having these voices heard and discussions happen. If your goal is to deliver a world-class supporter experience at every game and you want to know how you can meet that goal and get started today, then visit our website at datatalks.se and fill out our demo form to experience firsthand how we can help you. Or you can sign up for our masterclass or email list to get exclusive materials such as ebooks and case studies that will help you meet your goals better. Until next time, stay productive. Data Talks, we fill the stadium, you focus on the game.